and welcome to the podcast version of COS Live, a weekly program keeping you up to date on the Article 5 movement working to reclaim liberty in America. You can watch the original live broadcasts on Convention of States Rumble, YouTube, Facebook, and X. And now, here's COS Live. Hello, COS supporters. Welcome back to another edition of COS Live. My name is Andrew Lush. I will be your host for this episode. And as you can see, the lovely Rita Peters, who is my co-host and also the Senior Vice President for Legislative Affairs. She's not here today, unfortunately. She's under the weather, so she's unable to make it. Please say a quick prayer for her that she has a quick recovery and gets back to uh, her work with COS. And of course, uh, back to uh, COS Live with me next week. It would be great if she could because uh, the show's not complete without Rita Peters, so we need her. Uh, we got a really great show lined up for you today. We have Jenna Ellis joining us uh, later on in this segment. Uh, she's going to be talking about how the deep state has come after her and how the forces of tyranny have been weaponized against her because she's speaking truth. So we'll be talking about uh, about what is happening with her legal ba- battles. So we'll be joined by Jenna Ellis, and she is formerly the senior legal advisor and personal counsel to President Trump. Uh, We're also going to unveil the latest edition of COS Now to make sure that you are up to date with everything related to COS. Uh, Stick around for the COS Mailbag, which will be at the end of this episode. And of course, we do have our Article 5 Trivia Giveaway with COS Vice President Mike Ruthenberg. So before we get to our guest and before we get to COS Now, we have to go over to Mike, who has our trivia answer. Mike, over to you. Thank you, Andrew. And boy, I miss Rita. I hear she's under the weather. And a friend of mine once told me that when somebody's under the weather, you're supposed to say, what are you doing under there? And that's exactly what I'm saying to Rita because I want her in the show. But the good news is, is all of you guys are going to get to see Jenna Ellis. Wow. What a power packed show it's going to be today. Of course, I'm going to tell you a little bit about COS trivia. I'm very excited about so many things that are going on in convention states right now. What's happening in the world? And what's happening in our nation, there's so many great opportunities for us to shine. And I'm going to jump right into our trivia. And this is a fun question. We'll find out what your civics knowledge is like. This one's not easy, but it's going to be a multiple choice question for you. So it might be a little bit easier. Oh, you're thinking, well, gosh, when's he going to say what I win when I get the answer right? Well, here it is. It is like one of my favorite items in the store. It is the COS Medic knife. This thing is super cool. It's designed in USA, laser engraved in Missouri by a COS supporter. Really wonderful. It has an assisted open. It is super fun. I carry this all the time. I actually have a couple of them. One of them I actually ran over with my car and it still just functions perfectly. Got a few scratches on it, of course, but they're tough. They work great. Seatbelt cutter, a glass breaker. It's a handy thing to have with you. And if you go to shop convention states right now, you can't wait till you win it, or maybe you won't win it. You can buy one for $18.99. And the the quantities are limited. We do run out from time to time. So you may want to jump on and get this knife. And if you already have one, get another one in case you run it over. More importantly, give it away for Christmas. It's already time to start shopping for Christmas. Okay, here's my question for you. Hopefully you guys are all winners. You know, we recently crossed a huge milestone in COS. We hit 2.5 million petition signers, which each one of them has been delivered via email to 
your state legislature. And you're saying, well, why are you saying your? And it's because every single legislative district in America, remember each state has its own legislative districts and each has a different number of them. But if you aggregate them, that's our trivia question for today. How many do we have? So let's see who can get closest to the number of how many uh, how many districts do we have? A would be 435, B, 535, C, 4,400, and D, 6,700 legislative districts. So that's our question. Be pondering on that. Get your answer in on the keyboard. Don't forget to interact with us because we love it when you guys interact. Give us your questions. Remember, we got the mailbag coming at the end. But now I'm going to turn it back to you, Andrew, and I'll see you guys towards the end of the show. The Ohio House of Representatives has officially introduced Convention of States Actions Article 5 application, with Ohio having a large organized team of citizen activists and over 110,000 petition signers statewide. It's high time for Ohio legislators to move this legislation forward. We'll keep you updated on developments on the resolution's progress as it is assigned to committee. Our Ohio viewers should ask their state legislators to vote yes for COS. Some state legislators who helped pass the COS resolution are now in Congress, but the swamp has only deepened their belief in the urgent need for an Article 5 convention to rein in federal power. Congressman Russell Fry of South Carolina announced his endorsement of Convention of States, writing, quote, Through the Convention of States project, Americans champion the wisdom of our founding fathers, who first recognized the need to empower the states and safeguard the rights of our citizens. I fully support the Convention of States project to restore the rightful balance between the federal government and the states, ensuring prosperity for our nation. Fry helped South Carolina become the 19th state to join our movement. This comes on the heels of Congressman Josh Burkeen announcing his own endorsement. As a state legislator in Oklahoma, he also helped his state join the movement. This is the third congressman who has stepped forward in recent weeks to officially endorse Convention of States in addition to Missouri Congressman Eric Burleson. Constitution Week marked the return of the weekly program Crossroads, where faith and culture meet. This is hosted by Rita Peters and Mark Meckler. They talk hot-button political issues from a Judeo-Christian worldview. Crossroads airs Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern and is one of five weekly shows and podcasts generated by Convention of States. The others are The Battle Cry with Mark Meckler, which airs Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern, COS Live, which airs Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, COS Legacy, which is a podcast that publishes historic audio from our archives on Tuesdays, and The Liberty Update with Jake and Bree, which recaps the news of the week in just 10 minutes. That program is released on Fridays. Learn more at conventionofstates.com forward slash pod. The Heritage Foundation has published a new article on various aspects of the Constitution's Article 5 process. In part, it reads, quote, The Convention of States is an example of a recent grassroots effort to seek an Article 5 convention, launching its campaign in 2013. The group has clearly studied the history, scholarship, and commentary related to the Article 5 convention process. They advocate each state passing an identical application for the calling of a Convention of States limited to proposing amendments to the Constitution to the United States that impose fiscal restraints on the federal government, limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, and limit the terms of office for its officials and for members of Congress. Identical resolutions raise no issues about consistency of language, and referring to this as a convention of the states maintains the link between the states making the application and what the convention will do. And this model resolution identifies the scope of the convention with enough specificity to identify the convention's boundaries without requiring elements that might invite disagreements that would prevent a reasonable outcome. Tis the season for regional summits. U.S. activists from neighboring states have been getting 
working together to swap strategies, share success stories, and engage in cutting-edge training. State leaders in the self-proclaimed flyover region are already preparing for the 2024 legislative sessions. And now, you're up to date with Convention of States. Thank you, Producer G, for putting together that latest edition of COS Now. It's incredible to see what's going on across the nation right now. Uh, when you see like state strategy meetings in all of the different regions and COS activists and volunteers are getting together and they're forming strategies for how they're going to get the uh, resolution passed in their state legislature. Uh, this just shows you this is not just some kind of like lofty idea. And there's a few of us at national who are, uh, you know, going to state legislatures and, you know, we don't even live in that state and we're trying to get our application uh, submitted to the legislature. No, our, our COS activists on the ground, they are building relationships with legislators and they are actively working with their state legislature to get the resolution introduced. And that just shows you that we are a grassroots organization that is dedicated to raising up leaders to be forces for liberty within their community. And seeing them strategize, uh, is, it's really just amazing to see all of the leadership that is being produced by uh, the, the regional directors who oversee all of these states uh, where we're trying to pass the resolution. And then again, we saw Ohio. Ohio is really close. 110,000 petition signatures. That is huge number. 110,000 people have all agreed that we need an Article 5 Convention of States uh, for amendments that would limit the jurisdiction of the federal government, limit its ab ability to spend, and of course, to limit uh, the terms of office for elected officials and for uh, bureaucratic officials. Uh, one thing that I want to react to real quick before we go to our guest, there were three congressmen who have endorsed Convention of States within the last few weeks. Uh, Russell Fry from South Carolina, uh, Josh uh, Perkeen, Oklahoma, and then Eric Burleson uh, in Missouri. And uh, I believe all three at some point helped get the resolution passed within their state. This just shows you how, uh, how Convention of States is influencing state legislate, legislators to then, you know, one, pass the resolution, but then also to go into Washington, D.C. to change Washington, D.C. Because, you know, we can chew gum and walk at the, at the same time here at Convention of States. We can get the resolution passed. We can work at building grassroots armies that advocate for Convention of States and our resolution. We can also build up leaders to go to Washington one day to, to help usher in additional change. We need to see good candidates uh, who run for office, but we also need to see an Article 5 Convention of States. So it's great to see uh, previous sponsors uh, who helped get the resolution passed in their state now go to Washington, D.C. Um, also, another thing to add into that is Speaker McCarthy, not too long ago, he talked about how the only thing that's going to change uh, Washington, D.C., the only thing that's going to, to bring forth term limits and some type of balanced budget is going to be a convention of states. So what, what I see is that Congress is waking up to the fact that a convention is going to happen. It's not just a, a fantasy anymore. It's a reality that is quickly coming. That train is pulling into the station where we are 15 states away from calling the very first Article 5 Convention of States. So if you are not active and engaged in your state yet, this is the time to do it. This is the time to be a volunteer with Convention of States to be the change that you want to see in Washington, D.C. You know, voting is really important. Voting every two to four years is great. 
but being involved in the process in the political process is more important is the most important thing that you can do so please get get connected with your state team and get in engaged in the fight for liberty all right we're going to bring on our guest we have jenna ellis and she has just an amazing story of how she is fighting the deep state so we're going to bring her on joining us today we have jenna ellis uh, she is a constitutional attorney was a deputy district attorney in colorado She's uh, worked for COS endorser, Dr. James Dobson. She is the former senior legal advisor and personal counsel to President Trump, the host of the Jenna Ellis Show, and she is a longtime friend of, of the Convention of States movement. Jenna, welcome to the program. It's a blessing to have you with us. Uh, I want to jump right into you know, your story because the media is not going to, to tell your story and they're not going to tell it accurately. They're not going to give uh, their audience a full picture of what uh, what has happened. And we've seen since about 2010 that government agencies and government groups have been weaponized against groups that go against uh, their agenda. We, uh, we've personally seen this with the Tea Party. You know, Mark Meckler was, uh, had, a, uh, had a big role in the Tea Party movement. He uh, was part of Tea Party Patriots and he saw the weaponization of the IRS. But we're seeing it now, even in 2020, 2020, all the way up to 2023. Um, so for our audience, just tell your story on what's happened to you and what you think is going to be happening next or in the coming weeks, months with some of the things that you're dealing with from, you know, the deep state. Yeah, thanks so much, Andrew. And I really appreciate Convention of States and my good friend Mark Meckler for inviting me on today. Um, it's always a great time to uh, talk with fellow patriots and people who understand the importance of our U.S. Constitution and preserving and protecting our God-given rights. And that's what all of this is all about. And we can all have different political opinions. We can, as lawyers, represent different clients. But ultimately, as Americans, the bottom line is that we need to be free to exercise our rights. And the government should not weaponize the institutions uh, of government against Americans that are simply seeking uh, to exercise our rights. And so we're seeing that across the board. It's not just against people like me, and I'll get into that, um, or against President Trump, but we're seeing this with uh, parents that are put on the domestic terrorism watch list simply for showing up and, and daring to ask what's in their children's education curriculum. We're seeing pastors who are arrested outside of abortion clinics for daring to stand up for pro-life um, with my former client, uh, John MacArthur, who dared to open his church in the middle of the pandemic against an unconstitutional health order that uh, told him that he had to close the doors of his church. And so this has been a widespread problem from the left that has sought to use the power of government against American citizens and against patriots in a purpose and a way that was never intended by the founders and never intended by the limited powers of government. So now what's happening uh, to me and the 19 um, or 18 others, rather, there's 19 of us total in this indictment out of Georgia, is that it's weaponizing the government against the political process unknown as elections and election challenges. And so what they're doing uh, with me and the other lawyers who have been indicted, this is unprecedented um, to go after and target attorneys simply for practicing law. They're attempting to criminalize the practice of law, criminalize the right uh, to free speech guaranteed under the First Amendment, and also importantly, the right to petition the government for redress. Um, any sort of claim needs to be adjudicated in uh, it, whether that's in a court of law, whether it's a legislative remedy, um, or any of those other avenues that the founders and the Constitution specifically provided. And so now what's happening is, I believe, a, an attempt to have a chilling effect on the legal profession that if you represent a client that is disfavored 
favored by the deep state, then they're going to target you. They're going to target your profession, your credibility, your livelihood, and your bar license. I've had, I think, over 50 bar complaints now uh, to try to disbar me as an attorney. And thankfully, I've resolved all of those successfully. Uh, But now we are facing this indictment out of Georgia, and President Trump is facing uh, even more weaponization of government. And this really needs to stop. So I'm so grateful for each and every patriot that's out there, regardless of who anyone supports in the primary, uh, regardless of, you know, the politics and the debate back and forth that we can all have, because that's what that's what their founders did. That's what why we have the the uh, free exercise that we do in terms of the right to vote, the right to free speech, all of these things, the right to associate. We should all be able to free and fairly debate and also petition the government without uh, without fear that the government is going to retaliate against us for exercising those rights. And so um, for people who have donated to my defense fund, I so appreciate that as well. You can find it at givesendgo.com slash support Jenna, givesendgo.com support Jenna. And thank you so much um, for everyone who's also listed a prayer there because um, as a sincere Christian as well, I, I so appreciate and need uh, prayers and support uh, going through this hard time. And uh, Mark has been a very dear friend um, who's encouraged me a lot throughout this process. Mm-hmm. I, I want to go back to what you said about people being disfavored by the federal government or by the d- deep state uh, and essentially being in the way of what they want to accomplish or being in the way of their plan, being in the way of their agenda. And you, you really talked about how they'll go after you. They'll, they'll ruin your livelihood. They'll, they'll disbar you. They'll do whatever it takes to get you uh, silenced. Uh, what does that say about the state of the federal government right now? Well, it says that it looks more like the Chinese Communist Party and the uh, statist uh, communist Marxists than anything that the American experiment should look like. And that's the true danger for our society. It's not about me. It's not about even Donald Trump. This is about making sure that we preserve and protect the liberties and freedoms that are under assault from the radical left. And that's why I believe the Convention of States project is so important, because the Washington Uniparty establishment is never going to correct itself, and they are never going to stop this type of weaponization of government against conservatives who want to exercise the right to speech, um, association, free exercise of religion. I mean, looking at um, just all of the the diversity hirings and the CRT that's being put in curriculum, I mean, things that clearly are uh, trying to say that this whole pronoun, a ridiculous gender modification nonsense is becoming essentially like a a state-run religion where you have blasphemy laws. I mean, look at what California just attempted to do in their own legislature by saying that a parent could actually lose custody of their child if they didn't affirm the gender identity preference of their small child. I mean, it's absolute insanity. And so this is why we have to uh, look at what the Constitution provides in terms of a method and a remedy to ensure that we don't become like the communists, we don't cede to cultural Marxism, and we can make sure that our U.S. Constitution and the guarantees of liberty can be preserved and protected. And I sincerely believe the only path forward is not through the next election, it's through a convention of states so that we can have really solid amendments, particularly with our federal judiciary, so that we make sure that uh, we get good judges. I am very, uh, I'm praying for the judge in Georgia. I'm very grateful um, for the judge that we that was selected uh, for us. And I'm praying that um, he would make wise decisions in, in my case and in the cases of everyone else who's being targeted. And that is so important to stop the weaponization of government. 
Mm -hmm. So, and you, you, you rightly said that conservatives get attacked and we've seen it from the Tea Party days all the way up until now. And it's been just kind of growing and growing and getting more, uh, uh, getting, you know, there's, there's more strong attacks coming towards conservatives in recent years. Um, so I want to ask you a question. Do you, you know, usually when, when people get attacked by the left, they, they kind of wear it as a badge of honor. Like, oh, I'm getting attacked by the left. I must be over the target. I must be doing something right. In this situation, they're, they're not just trying to discredit you. They're trying to like, you know, come after you and ruin your livelihood permanently. Uh, so it's hard to take that as a badge of honor. But do you, do you see what's happening as further exposing uh, the American people to what's really happening in Washington, D.C. and what Washington, D.C. will do to Americans. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's a time and place to say, oh, it's a badge of honor for being attacked. And well, you know, I can say, okay, I'm, I'm standing up for freedom and liberty. I practice law, representing my client to the best of my ability, all of those things. And the left is attacking me in terms of the media. And of course, I've been, you know, I'm attacked daily on social media by, you know, the left and even some people on the right um, who don't like my current political perspectives. And, um, and and those types of instances, we all understand how social media works. And that can absolutely be a badge of honor. But when you when you actually look at government agents and institutions that are targeting you, it's not a badge of honor as much as it is a weaponization of government and something that is fundamentally unconstitutional. And so we have to take this, I think, a little bit more seriously. Right. And um, and while, of course, I, I could say, okay, I am standing up and I'm, you know, I'm now a face of of many of the weaponization of government and the targeting, this is very serious. We can't allow this to continue happening in our country. Otherwise, we are genuinely going to lose freedom and liberty in America. Uh, and so I think that it's very important to not just look at this as something that is um, perhaps frivolous, but that it has actual uh, ramifications for um, for lawyers, especially for our livelihood. I mean, and for the doctors, for example, through the pandemic, who simply said, well, no, we're going to fulfill our our Hippocratic oath. We're going to do the best for our patients. And so we're going to prescribe what's best for them. And they lost their medical license to practice their livelihood simply because they were unwilling to follow the compelled practice and the compelled speech and the compelled beliefs of the state. I mean, this is prolific now throughout um, a lot of areas of government. And if we don't stand up as conservatives and say enough is enough, we cannot tolerate this anymore, then we will rapidly lose America even faster than it's already happening. And I think you make, you're make, I completely agree with you and you're making some excellent points. And I, I want to go back to what you said earlier. You talked about Elections aren't going to fix this. It's going to take solid constitutional amendments that really get to the core of the problem in Washington, D.C. So I'd like for you to talk a little bit about that and, and Convention of States and, you know, tell our viewers how you first heard about Convention of States and then tell us how you became such a strong advocate for our movement and for securing real tangible amendments that put limitations on the federal government's reach. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people viewing this um, have been fans of President Trump and loved uh, what he did with his four years in office. And that is such an excellent example of why we need the Convention of States, because on day one of Joe Biden's presidency, those 36 executive orders undermined a lot of what President Trump did in terms of his executive orders. And so we're only as good in terms of the legislative and the executive until it's undone. And in a sense, you know, the judiciary um, is that 
that way as well. And thankfully, we have Roe versus Wade that was overturned because it was um, fundamentally flawed at its inception, which is what Justice Alito wrote. And so in terms of the powers of government that are delegated from the Constitution, uh, it's really the Constitution itself that needs to be amended. And we have to make sure to have that strong security so we aren't relying on the goodwill of either Republicans or Democrats that are in office, that they will know or exercise the best way to protect our liberties and they won't use the institutions of government to target us. That's why uh, Article 5 in the U.S. Constitution exists, is so that we have a measure of federalism where the states can actually say, sorry, federal government, you are overreaching into our sovereignty. You are now targeting our citizens. You're taking away these fundamental liberties that the founders all unanimously understood and declared in our declaration are so intrinsic to our humanity. They can't be brought, bought, sold, abridged, or infringed at whim. And that's why they called them inalienable. And so we have to make sure that we have protections in our highest law of the land that cannot just be arbitrarily foreclosed depending on the next election. And so I've become an advocate for the Convention of States because I believe it is the best method to secure our future and to make to make sure to secure the blessings of liberty, which is exactly what the founders articulated when they gave us a constitutional republic. But they gave us a way to amend it, not to totally overhaul it or any of these um, objections that I think are actually frivolous and, and, and don't understand the heart of Article 5. The founders understood they may not have gotten it right the first time. Um, they drafted a really great document that gave us one of the most brilliant uh, methods and forms of government. But they also understood that this was uh, going to be an evolving process to continue to preserve liberty. And they couldn't have possibly anticipated some of the issues that we're facing today. But what they did anticipate is that government always will want to use its power to oppress their citizens. So they gave us a way to push back. And that's in Article 5. And someone much, much smarter than me pointed this out and turned me on to Article 5 and what it actually provides for. And that's um, our good friend, Michael Ferris, who has been a, a legal advisor and mentor to me for many, many years. He wrote the foreword to my book, The Legal Basis for a Moral Constitution. And this is a guide to understanding the Constitution in context. And the last chapter of the book is an argument for the Convention of States specifically and why Article 5 is so important. So as I've continued to grow in my knowledge and understanding and genuine love of the Constitution, I've also grown in my advocacy and support of Convention of States because it truly is the best and only solution. That mm -hmm. uh, Jenna, I want to I talk for a moment about um, the, the practicality of, of a convention. And, you know, because a lot of our opponents say, how would this even happen? How would we make this work? This is just, you know, what are the rules? You know, there's, the list goes on uh, objections. You know, there's, there's objections like, uh, that are like frivolous, like you say, where it's, oh, there's going to be a runaway convention. They're going to completely overhaul the Constitution and all of those things. And that's just fear mongering. But then there are other objections like, well, we don't know how this would work and we don't know what the rules would be. And of course, if you actually look at the historical record, you'll see that conventions were part of our American culture for 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 100 years, over 100 years, for hundreds of years. And so we do have historical records and we have things that we can look at to guide us when it comes to rules and the process and all of that stuff. But we want to make it easy for people to see how a convention might look. And so earlier this year, uh, we hosted a simulated Article 5 convention in Colonial Williamsburg. 
And we had 49 states represented there. Of course, there's just one state that didn't make it, it was Rhode Island. But we had 49 states that were represented. And they produced six amendments that fit within the language of our resolution. And so the six amendments, there was one for term limits that passed in the simulated convention. There was one on a balanced budget. Uh, one returning federal lands to the states, another amendment that's a, a counterman amendment, which would allow the supermajority of the states to overturn uh, laws and regulations. And we, we, we saw all kinds of, of things that, you know, the inner workings of what a simulation or what a convention might look like. Um, one of the things that you said, you said that the, the uh, federal government will just take as much power as, as you give it. And it's funny that you mentioned that because at the simulated convention, our senior advisor, Rick Santorum, he stood up and he uh, talked to everyone at the plenary session and kind of in, in, introduced everyone to the simulation on the first day. And he talked about how the founding fathers would have never envisioned state legislators not using their power. They knew that the federal government was going to abuse its power one day and they would use the maximum amount of power possible that was given to them. But they never anticipated state legislators not taking that power back. And so he used that as a way to get the state legislators who attended to see the value in actually calling for an Article 5 convention. So I guess my question then to you is, one, what do you think we need to say to state legislators to get them engaged to take power away from Washington, D.C.? And then also, what is, what's your favorite amendment topic that you would want to see at a, at a, at a, at a convention? Yeah, and, and those are great questions. And, you know, I think what we need to say to state legislators is that uh, their role is actually way more important than the federal Congress. And we are kind of living in an upside down world where the national federal government gets all the media attention. They're basically celebrities. They get all of the entitlements. I mean, we look at uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein that, that just passed away and the wealth that she had amassed um, through her time as a quote unquote public servant had does that really happen, right? So these state legislators almost think that they're in the junior varsity instead of understanding that the Constitution intended states to run themselves with a very, very limited federal government. And so if they would understand the power that they actually have and that they do not have to bow to Washington, that states do not have to take federal dollars. Um, there's so much that can be done in terms of um, then balancing the budget, not being beholden to Washington, truly representing their constituency. They would understand the power of an Article 5 convention. And that's why the founders gave two separate ways, through Congress or through the state legislators. And we've seen how Congress has continued to erode and erode um, some of that power and that state sovereignty away, uh, whether in actual law and practice, uh, like, for example, um, the, the 17th Amendment, which I think should totally be repealed, where um, it used to be that the Senate was representing the state legislatures. That's why there are only two, regardless of the population of a state. And the state legislatures could recall them at will. And so they were the representation in Washington of the state legislatures. And that's why the Constitution gives those confirmations of federal appointments to the Senate rather than the House of Representatives. And so we need to go back and look at the original framework of the Constitution, the separation of powers, and understand what has gotten broken, I think, um, from just a, a delegation of authority and kind of a, um, a, for lack of a better word, I guess, a sort of laziness on the part of the states 
uh, that they are just ceding away their sovereignty. And then look at what has been intentionally wrought so that the federal government would continue to see to seize that power. And we have to continue to uh, to draw this back and to say that states need to become sovereign again. And so with that, what I would love to see, um, I think most importantly, is term limits uh, in both the federal judiciary as well as uh, term limits in all areas of federal government, not just elected officials, but the federal bureaucracy. That is truly how you drain the deep state. And what President Trump said when he was running in 2016 is absolutely correct that we need to drain the swamp. And the only way you're going to do that is not hiring personnel on presidential appointments that are out in four years. The swamp are the deep state bureaucrats that stay and they don't care who's in the Oval Office. They're going to continue to do uh, what they're doing in terms of the deep state and the power in Washington. The only way to do that is to make sure that they are also limited in their tenure. So I think that is one of the key uh, amendments that could be passed through Convention of States. And when you were asking, um, Andrew, about, you know, what is the process? What are the rules? Well, we can just look to our current uh, Congress and every regular uh, legislative session that starts, the House uh, has to form its own rules. The Senate has to form its own rules. And they do that as a body. The Constitution does not lay out specifically what a continuing resolution looks like or how, you know, what type of majorities and about cloture and all this other stuff um, that are specific to each body. And that's exactly how a convention would work. We know the system in terms of how to call a convention. And then we know the mechanics just by looking at Congress. This is nothing more than a state-led a Congress, essentially. And so it's a convention or a convening of the states for the purpose of proposing constitutional amendments so that we can better protect our freedom. You're absolutely right. Hit the nail on the head with that one. The founding fathers didn't write every single thing. They expected us or they expected state legislators or they expected Congress to write their rules and to fill in the details. So I'm glad that you brought that up. And I'm really also glad that you brought up the fact that our resolution could cover term limits for elected officials, but also unelected officials as well. And you just you bring up a really great point about how if you want to take an axe to the deep state, you have to go after the bureaucracy. And there are plenty of people that work for the federal government that are in lower levels who are just good people. But the people higher up uh, that are setting the agenda, they uh, are unaccountable. And if we had a term limits amendment that could uh, put terms on 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 bureaucratic officials, we could see some serious change. And if we already had that in place, you can make an argument that we wouldn't be seeing the type of political weaponization that we are currently in right now. So uh, going back to, you know, the time is now to have an Article 5 Convention of States where we could see amendments like term limits on federal officials and bure uh, bureaucrats. I, I want to just do one more question on Convention of States. We're running out of time uh, quickly on just like the incentive structure, because it seems like the incentive structure has been that you know, Washington DC is collecting more and more power and anyone that threatens that power, they go after them. Uh, do you see Convention of States as a vehicle for changing that incentive structure to where the power is now away from Washington DC but in the states and then you have better accountability because it's easier to go you know, knock on the door of your state representative because he's usually in your district uh, than it is to go you know, across the country if you live on the, on the West Coast to go knock on your congressman's door. So do you think Convention of States can kind of shift the incentive uh, where the states are in the driver's seat and not the federal government? 
Oh, absolutely. And can you imagine uh, the fear in Washington if a convention of state was actually called? Because no one in Congress would have any say or any power on what the state legislators do in terms of proposing amendments and then in terms of the states deciding whether those amendments are ratified. Congress has nothing to do with it at that point. That is the best way that we can actively ignore Washington. And so, as you said, the time for the Convention of States is now, but I would even go further and say the time was yesterday. And so if we had done this even back when the Convention of States project was initially conceived, imagine what a different America we would be living in if we had some of those things all the way back then that we could have drawn upon over the last decade. And then we could have built upon that in terms of draining the swamp and the deep state. I mean, President Trump could have gotten so much more done in his uh, first four years if he didn't have all of these weaponized attacks from Spygate to the Russia hoax to the first and second impeachment to COVID narrative, like to all of this. And now the four indictments and the civil case. I mean, all of these things may have been prevented had we had a convention of states earlier. So what can we prevent in the future by calling a convention of states now? I think that we really need to look at the scope of just what's happened in the last eight to 10 years and understand that we have to do this as quickly as possible. Because again, it's the only method that is going to guarantee security for our freedoms and liberties. We can't rely on the Supreme Court. We certainly can't rely on the Oval Office. And we certainly can't rely on the goodwill of those in uh, the House and the Senate in the federal Congress. Uh, one last question. If our viewers want to support your, uh, your defense fund, where can they go? Thank you so much for that. You can go to givesendgo.com slash support Jenna, givesendgo.com slash support Jenna. And you can also leave a prayer there and just an encouragement as well. And um, I and my lawyers read all of those and I really appreciate your prayers and support. And so thank you to everyone who has already donated and uh, for anyone else who's considering that, um, you know, I'm not a person of extreme wealth, like, you know, like members of Congress who are supposedly public servants. And so having this type of crowdfunding um, has been phenomenally helpful uh, to me to fight back against the weaponization of government. So thank you so much. Yep. Never disregard the power of prayer. Thank you for bringing that up. Thank you for joining the uh, joining us on the show. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. And thank you for being uh, such a good friend to Convention of States. We hope to have you back on this program uh, when you can put that badge of honor on that you've beat the deep state. We can't wait to have you back on the program and hear, uh, hear how things are going. Thank you, Jenna. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. All right. With that, we are now going to go back to Mike Ruthenberg, who has the answer for our Article 5 trivia giveaway. Mike, over to you. All right. Thanks so much, Andrew, for coming back. Hopefully, you're in the edge of your seat wondering if you won the coolest knife ever, the COS Medic Knife. Remember, this is a cool knife for... It's got a seatbelt cutter. It's got a, what, where is it? There's glass breaker. Everything's backwards. I don't always get it. Assisted open, a great blade shape. I love it. I carry it all the time. Beautiful knife available at shopconventionestates.com with everything else, of course. Of course, you can get a cool polo like the one I'm wearing. And we have some brand new shirts in the store. So if you go to shopconventionestates.com, you'll see shirts you'd never seen before in our store. So here's the question from our trivia at the top of the show, at the beginning of the show, we have over two and a half million petitions that have come in from you. That's a big, big number. Of course, we're on our way to much, much more, 5 million, 10 million, 
maybe even 35 million petitions are coming our way eventually when we want every legislator to know. But right now, every state level legislator in every district in America knows what's going on because they have received a petition. My question was how many of those legislative districts are if you aggregate all the state's legislative districts in America? And the first answer, A, was 435, B, 535, C, 4400, D, 6700. D was your answer. Can you believe it? To be exact, 6,766 legislative districts. Remember New Hampshire, Maine, they have a lot of districts. They're small states, a lot of small districts. And a fun little story about that is we wanted to make sure that we had petitions in every single legislative district. So every state level, uh, senator, assembly member, uh, delegate, or representative, whatever you call the house in your state, we want to make sure everybody had one of those petitions. And we know that happened. And Maine was our last state to get it because they have such a huge number of legislative districts. And we did that sometimes. We had people standing literally outside of supermarkets in districts. We didn't have them to make sure that we got every single one. It's super fun. We are covered. Let's keep those in. And the most important thing about how we get those is it's really what got us to 10 years, we're 10 years, 10 months into COS, which is a great accomplishment. We keep growing every single year and we're calling every proponent to rally momentum ahead of this 2024 legislative session by gathering 10 petition signers. It's not that hard. This is the power of 10 and this is what drives success in any effort to gather support. If you're a zealot, which you've got to be. You stayed here till the end of the show. You're watching, you're learning every single week. Thank you so much for that. See if you can go out and get those 10 people. That's all I've got to say. Back to you, Andrew. Thanks, Mike. It's time for COS Live Mailbag. are messages and questions from viewers like you. If you want to be featured, drop us a comment on YouTube, Facebook, or Rumble. So this first one is coming from Wildstar899. It's clear the federal government isn't going to stop abusing their power, right? You are. Only a handful are trying to bring some fiscal sanity back to Washington, and that's a very, very small handful. Convention of States is the only way to bring back America to its constitutional republic that protects individual freedom and liberty. Well, Wildstar899, I know that's not your real name, but thank you for that comment. You are absolutely right. Convention of States is the only solution that is going to curb the runaway, reckless spending that we are seeing in Washington, D.C. You can't count on the uh, leaders in Washington to do it. You can't count on Congress. You can't count on Speaker McCarthy or Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer or whoever. You can't count on them to curb spending. It only will be done through Convention of States and We the People. All right, we're going over to Mike Thomas. If ever we needed a Convention of States, it's right now. That is a to the point and you're spot on. Right now is the time. You know, there's many people out there who say, well, this just takes too long or this is something we, we shouldn't be using it for this reason. No, no, we should. There is no better time to use this mechanism that the founding fathers gave to us, we the people. They gave us the second clause of Article 5 for situations when Congress failed to act. And I don't know about you, but if you look around, I see Congress failing to act on the reckless spending, 
on the power gra power grabs by the federal government and by the fact that so many in Washington, D.C. spend their entire life enriching themselves and accumulating power to the wealthy and well-connected. You see it, I see it, we all see it. And so now is the time to use this provision within Article 5 to take power away from the D.C. elites and give it back to the states and we the people. Um, all right. We don't have any que other questions for this episode, but again, please submit your questions. YouTube, Facebook, Rumble. Uh, don't forget to tune into Crossroads with Rita on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Tune into The Battle Cry with uh, Mark Meckler, who's our president and co-founder. That airs every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. We'll see you next Tuesday at 6, 6 p.m. Eastern time for this episode, or for this show. Until then, remember, we got a country to save, so it's time to get back to work. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to today's program. For information, please visit www.conventionofstates.com forward slash pod. That's www.conventionofstates.com forward slash pod.